0: God wants to be the restorer of your life and when God restores you he puts you right back in position right in good seating he crowns you so God will want you to choose but he's not going to force you to choose and whatever you choose he will allow you to make that decision on your own but understand that when you when you say yes to something you're always saying no to something else You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, where believers in Christ renew their lives. Join the Dip community weekly as you learn about new ways of implementing God's Word for practical use in your everyday life. Without further ado, now introducing your host and fellowship friend, Tamika Gray. Hello, hello, hello. You are now listening to Disciples in Progress, and this is episode number 30. This episode is titled, Knowing Your Worth and Accepting God's Restoration. Y'all, we really about to get into this word, okay? This topic, this discussion, and I hope you guys are ready. Um, I want to talk about why are we talking about this topic? We have been building up to this, ultimately, honestly, um, the, the last couple of episodes, I think it was like the last four episodes of this month, um, we've been building in stages. And I ultimately was trying to build you to this episode. Episode 26, we talked about the four different stages of relationships with Christ, which is You know, you're his child first, then you enter into a friendship, then you enter into a courtship, and then you ultimately enter into being a bride or a bridegroom to God because he wants to come back and um, assume that place and role in your life. The next step is um, the next episode was episode 27, and it was the four weapons given to fight in the kingdom of light. Right. So we talked about the four tangible weapons. And then, of course, there is additional. But those were like some foundational things that you guys can use in order to fight on the behalf of the kingdom of light instead of the kingdom of darkness. Episode 28, we talked about Jeremiah 29 verses 11 through 14. And basically it was talking about, you know, God fulfilling his promises to you because you are now in relationship with him and there are benefits that come with being in relationship with God. And ultimately God will fulfill the things in which you desire for your life because you are in a relationship with him and he's ultimately going to give you those desires of your heart. So, you know, we get into the weeds of that in 20 in episode 28. And then the last episode, which was last Monday, episode 29, um, episode 29 was like a, a extension of episode 27. And we were bringing full circle of why would I need weapons to be in a relationship with Christ? And the answer to that is because Satan will become your biggest enemy in his time. And his time is limited. Right. He's only able to wreak havoc on this earth for so long before Christ comes back and, you know, claims his throne. And we've been talking about this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the things of the unseen world and principalities and evil rulers in high places. And so, you know, we talked about you serving in the kingdom of light. Well, the opposite of the kingdom of light is serving in the kingdom of darkness. And we are now living in a dark time. Um, And so the goal of October's episodes was to highlight and to go deep into what relationship looks like with Christ and its importance. And now we will seal this month with discussing your value as his child and in his kingdom. And with that, let's get to the keys. One, two. All right, guys. So the three keys for this episode, first, we'll be breaking down the word and definition of value versus worth and understanding the price God is willing to pay for you. Okay, because he will pay that price regardless of what you've done. Right. And then the next key that we'll be doing is tackling restoration. I believe that restoration and forgiveness is linked um, and so we'll get into the weeds of that, but I want to give you real quick, the definition of restoration, restoration means the act of returning something to a former owner place Or a condition. God wants to be the restorer of your life. And when God restores you, He puts you right back in position, right in good seating. He crowns you with the crown of life and He helps order your steps in life. And so when you return back to God, He restores you. He restores your promises. He restores your blessings. He restores your brokenness. He restores you. Okay, baby? And so I really want to get into the weeds of restoration and why I believe your restoration is linked to your forgiveness and then the last key that we will talk about is i really want to take some time i know we talk about you know guys a bug up out here in these streets you know how i get with y'all but honestly if you really pay attention to the weeds of it all like god is a gentle man and not a physical man but he's a gentleman right therefore he will not force coerce or push you into anything But let's be clear, he will send you an invitation and is upfront about your options to choose from as any good dad would. He's like, look, Timmy, do you want the red apple or do you want the orange, orange? You got a choice. Now, you know, if you pick the orange, you don't, you're never going to know what that apple tastes like. And if you pick the apple, you never going to know what the orange tastes like because you have to choose. So God will want you to choose, but he's not going to force you to choose. And whatever you choose, he will allow you to make that decision on your own. But understand that when you, when you say yes to something, you're always saying no to something else. And when you're saying no to something, you are ultimately saying yes to something in your life. And so you know what i'm saying we're really about to get into these three topics and with that being said let's get into the breakdown all right all right all right all right so we are into the breakdown the first key that we'll be uh, covering in the breakdown is breaking down the definition of value and worth and what they are in correlation to each other so in today's episode i just want to talk to you right Um, I've been struggling personally as just a young lady and a woman who is now becoming and has really been aware of my becoming season, especially becoming, you know, God's daughter, becoming... And, and awareness of my relationship with Christ and, and really being an active participant and really striving diligently in my search to becoming a wife to the Lord, right? And so that has brought up my value and my worth. Like, God, why you want somebody like me? I've been doing bad. I ain't been doing right. Like, y'all've seen me, y'all've heard me on the podcast. Like, if I don't speak on this podcast for a long time, that's because I'm not living in righteousness. And how dare I speak on a platform uplifting the Lord when I know in my private life I'm not doing right and so I just can't even muster the courage or you know the um the audacity honestly to come over here and, and be a hypocrite because baby that's just something that I just am, 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 am not trying to be you know does it happen at times sure but you know I'm not about to be in knowingly being a hypocrite about things of myself and so I really had come to the table to ask God like why you want somebody like me like why are you still trying to give somebody like me blesses and promises and fulfill the things in my life and so you know I really want to take a look at the the definitions of value worth and then get into our text about what it is and what it means to Christ right and so your value the definition of value refers to both the emotional and monetary cost of an item or a thing value is a verb the definition of worth is an estimation or an assigned level or value at which someone or something is rated or worth, AKA worth is the monetary cost of an item. And so a wise person once told me about this thinking process to my attention is like, if you believe you have no value, it will reflect in how you treat yourself. It will reflect in how you speak to yourself. And it will reflect in how you operate in your relationships with Christ and just with people in general. And that really settled in on me because like everybody thinks that they have value, but really your actions will demonstrate what type of value you place on your own life. Right. Okay. So I took that to heed. Um, I believe that your belief and faith goes hand in hand. And so we talk about, you know, if I believe that my value is this, then my faith life will represent my belief of my value. Um, and so I want to bring back to our attention what the Bible defines faith is. And so Hebrew 11 chapter one I'm at Hebrew chapter 11, verse one reads like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I'm gonna read that again, but I'm a substitute a the word. Now, faith is the substance of things that you believe in and it's the evidence of things not seen. So sometimes you have a belief in something that you cannot tangibly see, right? And so my faith and my belief are linked. They are the same thing. And if I don't believe, and I don't have the faith that I'm worth the value in which Christ has placed on my life, God, Yahweh himself has placed on my life, then I can never access the promises that he has for my life. Cause I don't even believe that he'll take a sinner like me. I don't believe that he can wash me clean. Like he said he could. I don't believe that he's going to forgive me for the things that I've done in my past. I don't, I can't believe that. Cause some of us just ain't never been around somebody in your real life. Who's actually accepted you flaws and all it's just not common in 2022 people in today's times, quick to cut each other off, rip each other apart. You get these many chances with them. And then after that girl, you out the door. And so why wouldn't we think God would treat us the same way? That's how we treat each other. And if people in your life has continued to treat you like you ain't nothing because you may have made some mistakes here and there like they've never made mistakes, that is a reflection on them. But I'm here to tell you that God does not operate like man because he's not man he's instructed men he's given a course correction for men so that we can learn how to love each other in our differences learn how to love each other during our struggles learn how to love each other during our pain learn how to love each other during our downfalls but everybody you know just has never physically experienced that in the real life. So it kind of is hard to believe that a God who we ain't never seen, never met, never laid eyes on can love us in that way, but he can, but you can't access that unconditional love until you start believing and having faith in your heart and trusting that God will love you in the unconditional manner. And so I also want to bring to your attention, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, And this is when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And so it also says nothing will be impossible if you just had a little faith if you just had a little belief and so when i read matthews chapter 17 20 you know i'm testing the word like i'm increasing my faith because god said that i can tell this mountain to move and it will move and i just need to believe and just have a faith of a mustard seed i want you to go right now on google and look up what a mustard seed looks like y'all it is tiny that seed is so tiny. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is the question that came after I read that. It was like, what are some of the mountains in your life that you would like to be moved? Okay. And I really want you to think about that. Sit down, think about the mountains that's in your life that you want to be moved. And then you write that out. Like, God, this thing is what I'm struggling with. This is the mountain that's been hindering my growth. This is the mountain that's been causing me to block my belief that you actually value me or I value you or you, you know, others value me. This is the mountain that's been holding me back from accessing my true potential worth and me actually walking and talking and living through that worth because I believe in myself. And I'm not talking about this false Uh, Social media belief that I'm that girl and I'm that dude and I got these accolades. I'm talking about the inner parts of you, right? The inner parts of you that you know that most people wouldn't accept. The inner parts of you that you don't show on Instagram stories. The inner parts of you that don't get celebrated by the world. The inner parts of you that probably only you know. That may be something you don't want to share or something that you don't want no one to know. Those are the things that God loves the most about you. The things that you think are the worst parts about you is the things that God loves the most. And when you give those things over to God and you start trusting in him to deliver you, to heal you, to set you free, to uplift you, to restore you, to reinvigorate you, to reclaim your power, to give you power and authority over these things in your life, that's when hell starts to break. That's when hell starts to rumble. That's when the flames and fire starts to get uncomfortable because now you are being set free in a place where your mind, the world or the thoughts and opinions of others told you that you could never be free from and really that was the enemy trying to sneak into your mind and tell you that you couldn't so ask yourself what are some mountains in your life that you would like to be moved, write them things down, pray over those things and start believing that God will deliver you and give you the answers that you need to start taking them practical steps in your real life to actually live in the good fruits that God wants to give you on the other, on the other side of that. Amen. Amen. And so yeah. I really just think that, you know, to tie this all together, the price Christ is willing to pay for your life. I mean, it's is illustrated in Matthew chapter 27 verses 32 through 56. The price that Christ is willing to pay for your life is also illustrated in Mark chapter 15 verses 21 through 38. It's also even illustrated. in Illustrated the price that Christ is willing to pay for your life, for your sins, for your iniquities, for your doubts, for your lostness, for your downfalls, for the things that you did wrong, how you hurt others, how others hurt you, how your mama wasn't there, and how your cousin wasn't there, and how your sister hurt you, and how your daddy left you, how your daddy wasn't really present, and all those things, right? All of those things, the price that God is willing to pay for you is illustrated in John chapter 19 verse 16 through through uh 37 he's he's paid it he'll keep paying it what what do you need from him he's like i'll give it to you i'll Give give it to me, baby, so I can give it to you. And so I want to just take some time and listen to Matthew 27, verse 32 through 56, so that you can get a good listen on what we're really talking about, because I know you ain't about to go read it yourself. So let's listen. But before we get into the wheelies of things, let me just give you a heads up on what we're about to listen to. Um, we're about to be, we're about to listen to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the, what he all had to endure directly from the Bible. I know we've watched plays, we've seen pastors talk about it, we've we've taken communion, we, we heard the story, but I didn't really read this for my own self until about this weekend and it's actually pretty detailed and so um, I really hope that you take some time outside of this to read it for yourself, but we're going to listen to the first half and then I'm going to get to the meat of it because there's some important things that I just want y'all to listen to. So let's listen on. We are going to be in Matthew's chapter 27. Um, first, we're going to read through verses one through 10, and then we're going to jump through to verses uh, 32 through 56. All right, let's get to it.
1: Chapter 27, Judas hangs himself very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the thirty pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priests picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. The soldiers mocked Jesus. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. The Crucifixion Along the way they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means Place of the Skull. The soldiers gave him wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. The death of Jesus. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick, so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, This man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee.
0: And there you have it, folks, the details in just marks recollection of Christ's crucifixion if you go back and you read the 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 chapters that I just listed off earlier about okay there's a recollection in Mark there's a recollection in uh, Matthew there's a recollection in Luke and there's also a recollection in John depicting and different and deeper descriptions about the type of pain that God had to endure. Christ had to endure on the cross. And this was all for the sake so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your iniquities could be washed clean, so that you could be set free, so that you wouldn't be doomed to death for your sins. For every time you hurt someone else, God didn't come rain hell fire down on you. For every time that you spoke negatively out your mouth, God didn't come down and rain hell fire on you so that every time that you stepped out of order and you didn't do what he told you to do he's patient now to not rain hell fire down on you as long as you have breath in your body and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and he rose again and he will return to his throne on this earth you now have the gift of salvation salvation means that you are free from death. When you sin in the old Testament, there was no crucifixion. They had to sacrifice animals. They had to shed blood animals to wash away their sins so that they wouldn't, you know, be, um, handed the, um, tail end of death. Because that was the consequences of sins back in the day. Now we have Christ and all we have to do is confess. Lord, I'm sorry, man. I did A, B, and C today and I knew it wasn't right. Something inside me told me not to do it, God. And I know I'm dealing with the consequences right now, God. But I just ask that you forgive me, God. I ask that you show me my ways to me, God. And that you set me free, God. And that I start walking in a new path. And guess what he would do? He'll set you free. He'll wash you clean and he'll point you into the direction of the new path. You have to go search for him so that he can help you get right. He paid a price, y'all. He gave his life. He gave it. There's nothing else that needs to be given for you to be set free from the sins in which you commit. We all commit. I commit. We are all sinners, But we have been forgiven and nobody can can put you down because you have you believe in God himself. And so I want to go ahead and move on to the next key. I think that was good enough. Praise the Lord. Fair use, fair use, fair use um, of that scripture, because I really wanted y'all to listen to that. So the next key that we'll be breaking down is tackling restoration. And how I believe that restoration is linked to your forgiveness. And again, the definition of restoration is the act of returning something to a former owner place or condition. Right. And so. I believe that forgiveness acts as a gateway to being comfortable with receiving. The undeserved blessing in your life, a.k.a. Restoration. Restoration. God is a restorer. Right. And one of my favorite scriptures that helps me understand how to start getting restored in Christ is Romans chapter 12, verse two. And it reads like this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by re, by the renewing of your mind. So where does restoration start? How do you can really like practically in your life today, start to get restored and regain and reclaim your throne and your position in God's kingdom. Well, it starts in your mind, right? But before we can get to your mind, you have to learn how to not be like this world, whatever the trends are happening. Don't do them what everybody's saying this is lit this is the goat don't do that what everybody's uplifting and praising and all these things and we can clearly we have a moral compass we can see right from wrong and you know that's not right or that's not right in your spirit or god or something inside of you aka the holy spirit your intuition that inner man your inner voice is telling you baby don't do that baby don't go there baby don't say that Listen. just listen to it the first time and operate off of your first mind. Okay. All right. That's one thing that, uh, I ain't even gonna get into it anyways. So yeah, how to really start to step into the restoration that God has for you. First, you need to not conform to the patterns of this world, but trans be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind i want to read some um verses in the bible that speaks about forgiveness and restoration just to give us some little ideas about it let's start with restoration jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17 reads like this for i will restore your health to you and your wounds i will heal declares the lord because they have called you out because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. Psalms 51 verse 12 reads like this. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Isaiah chapter 26 verse seven reads like this. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of of dishonor. There shall be rejoice in their loss. Therefore in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 reads like this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Joe chapter 42 verse 10 reads like this and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before and so what do we know from these verses about God's restoration whatever you thought you had good first and you maybe came into a season of weakness or you maybe came into a season of drought or maybe you have never experienced that maybe you just good right now and you looking for greater god said i will double i will triple what you thought was good before when you start following me and when you start serving the kingdom of light and justice right you start serving the kingdom of righteousness meaning being in right standing with christ these are the restoration powers that god has for your life next i want to talk about forgiveness some verses that talk about forgiveness is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 it reads like this be kind to one another tender hearted forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you Mark chapter 11 verse 25 reads like this and whenever you stand praying forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you you and your trespasses john i mean, first john chapter one verse nine reads like this if we confess our sins his he is faithful and just to forgive us all for our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness uh matthew chapter six verse 15 but if you do not forgive others for their trespassing, neither will your father forgive your trespassing. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22 reads like this. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as, as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. You know what I'm saying? Matthew chapter six, verse 14 through 15 reads like this for you for, For if you forgive others of their trespassing, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespassing, neither will your father forgive your trespassing. And so. What do we need to take from forgiveness? Your forgiveness is directly linked to the forgiveness that you have for others. You treat others the way you want to be treated. And the way that you treat others is how God's going to treat you. And so we got to tie this back into your belief. If you believe that you don't have no value, you believe that you are unworthy of God's restoration, you, you believe that you can't forgive somebody or you put mental, mountains in your mind to tell you that you can't operate in the way that God has told you that I can give you these gifts if you do as I ask you to then baby you will forever be stuck but if you really take a deep dive and listen to these passages these scriptures and understand that God has paid the price and he wants to restore your life he wants to place worth and value on your life of something that the world can't give you and when God gives you something, the world can't take it from you. But if you let the world build you up, you let the world validate you. You let the world tell you you look good. You let the world tell you you're doing great. You let the world set your standards. The world will tear you down. I've We've already seen certain celebrities who's been built up, turned down, built back up, turned back down, built back up, and turned back down. You can't wait on the judgment of the world to judge you and to accolade you and to congratulate you. You can't do that. Cause we fickle, we sinners, we're fleshly. We're only going to tell you what's good in the time because it's what's good in the time. But God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And so if you believe in God, you believe in the forgiveness and you forgive others god's gonna forgive you you believe that god is a restorer a redeemer and he can edify your life then god will do them things for you but it starts in the mind and you have to know that you can't receive the salvation if you conform it to the ways of this world because the ways of this world is the kingdom of darkness whose side are you on moving on Y'all, we gotta get to the last one, right? And this one I'ma just, you know, talk my talk. I think I do have a few verses, but I feel like I've given you enough Bible today in this episode because, you know, sometimes they be messing with certain people's demons and stuff like that. So let's just talk. Uh the last uh the last scripture and the last key that I wanna highlight is God is a gentleman. Therefore he will not force Coerce or push you into anything. He sends you an invitation and he is upfront about your options to choose, as any good father would. Alright? And um I truly believe that I know that I've had conversations with some friends about is free real is free will really a free will and the belief of Christ or God himself. And, um, some people like to debate and say no, because if God knows all things and he's all all omnipotent in all of these ways and he knows the trajectory of the life. So he knows what you're going to do before you do it. Is he really the puppet master and just, pushing you into a direction? Or are you really making the choices for your life? And I think you really do make the choices for your life. And God already knows, okay, if, if Tamika chooses to take this left path, then these are going to be the outcomes of that path. But if Tamika chooses to take this right path, then these are the outcomes and things and ways that Tamika is going to receive from choosing that path. And so just because he knows the outcomes of what you know, may happen based off your choices. And because he knows these kids, he knows what choice you're nine times out of 10 going to make. Does not mean he's forcing your hand or forcing the wheel. It's just that you get to choose. Am I going to be worldly and serve in this darkness and serving the kingdom of darkness and have a temporary benefit or, uh, or uh, get a, a dose of uh, dopamine right now to satisfy a urgent need? Or am I going to be patient? and be diligent and wait on the Lord. And, 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 and in my waiting season, am I going to be praying? Am I going to be fasting? Am I going to be working hard? You know, cause faith without works is dead. Am I going to be working hard to still yield the results of my life that I want with the assistance of the Lord on my side, making ways out of no ways, opening doors that I can't even open, giving me access, speaking in boardrooms where I ain't even in, making me, creating a path for me, you know, creating a space for me before I even get there to, you know, make sure that I'm going to get that tenfolded over blessing that I've been promised, right? You get the choice to choose. He's just like, Timmy, do you want the apple or do you want the orange, orange? You choose. Just know that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to other things in your life. And that's the same thing with Christ. And that's what I want to leave y'all with, y'all. It's really important to know your worth right because knowing your worth will allow you to accept god's restoration because god has placed a worth and value on your life that the enemy is at your throat with it he's trying to take it from you he's trying to steal it from you he's trying to kill it he's trying to destroy it because if you start operating in the god way in the god manner and how he ordained and called your life to be which is greater than anything that you can imagine whatever you placed in your mind god's like okay baby i'm gonna give you that i'm gonna get you that you are gonna get there but i'm gonna Gonna make it i'm gonna make it 10 times better than what you even thought about it because you did it my way you did it my way either you're gonna be a slave to yourself or you can be a slave to most high you're gonna be a servant to the enemy or you're gonna be a servant to the most high you're gonna be a, a slave to the world or you're gonna be a slave to knowing or the commitment to your goals your aspirations your desired outcomes you choose And I say those terminologies because people take offense when I say those things. And if you take offense, baby, you need to start looking on the inside. Why does that make me feel some type of way? Yo, words were created to cause conflict. We got we got five words to describe one thing. Why? Because each word makes you feel a different way. But it still means the same thing. You get what I'm saying? So there you have it, folks. Another powerful message given to me by God. Always remember, he is working on me to get through to you with every episode. If you enjoy this, be a dear and support my show by following me on IG at D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-S in progress or searching the IG bar for the dip podcast D-I-P podcast and i will pop right up and don't forget to leave a review this helps other people find my show don't forget to hit the like button this helps other people find my show i see y'all listening i see the numbers coming back up i thank you god y'all i'm trying to stay consistent you know how your girl gets she gets strong and then she stops she gets strong and then she got then she stops but i'm strong baby i'm strong i'll rise and then i'll rise and i'll rise again and with that i'm out bye i